Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. According to St. John, the 10th chapter. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe. The works, I'm sorry, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. It's been a difficult week. Typically, I enjoy preaching, but I'm not really sure what to say today. I normally don't have a difficult time writing sermons. It's something I like to do. It's something I give a lot of energy to doing, but I really struggled this week. As I watched the press conference with Governor Polis, When he opened up to questions, the very first question a person from the media asked him is, why do these things keep happening in Colorado? Why do these things keep happening in Colorado? We all have that question. We want to somehow be able to figure out why violence keeps happening. Not just any violence, but especially violence with our kids doesn't make sense. We, none of us can get our brains around it. We want to diagnose it. We want to be able to figure out it's this. It's this one thing. Well, if it's this one thing, then we'll get rid of this, right? If this is the problem, then we'll get rid of this. But the problem is it, it's not one thing. And it's nothing we can really put our fingers on. And it's horrible. It's horrible. I spent a lot of time in prayer this week just asking God. Well, I asked God a lot of questions this week, but some of them were why. And some of the questions were, what are are we to do? What are we to do? And I know a lot of people want legislative change, and I'm for that. I'm definitely for that. But a part of me thinks that's not going to solve it. You know, more laws aren't going to solve it. More laws aren't going to make it better. What's going to do something about this crisis that we're in? And as I was praying, you know, we Lutherans don't often talk about God talking to us, right? When a Lutheran says, God talked to me, 
we go, um, white jackets, you know, right? We're, we're very suspicious of that. But I think God talked to me this week. I really do. Three words. Look at Christ. Look at Christ. I got that as a response and I began to ponder, what does that mean? Look at Christ. Could that be a solution? And as I pondered, look at Christ, I began to ask myself, well, what is the Christ? The reality is everything is the Christ. What you heard at the beginning of this service when, when Jay was reading from John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not one thing came into being. What came into being through him was life, and the life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. And so the Christ is the source of all life. All life dwells in the Christ. Anything that is alive dwells in the Christ. And don't think for a second I'm leaving out the rocks and, and, and the, you know, the, the waters because I believe the earth is alive. Don't you? Don't you believe the earth is alive? Don't you believe the universe is alive? And so all living things dwell in the Christ. And so you want to see Christ? Here's Christ. And maybe if we could learn to see Christ in one another. Maybe if we learn to see God in one another. If we all dwell in God, we all dwell in Christ, then maybe we're not looking for God hard enough in one another. And if we can see God in one another at a, at a more... Um, in a more clear manner, then perhaps we could love better. Perhaps we could forgive better. Perhaps we could be more compassionate and gentle. And I'm not just talking about so that we don't have school shootings. I'm talking about so we have greater peace at home. So we have greater peace in the workplace. So we have greater peace in our neighborhoods. So we have greater peace in our schools. Certainly greater peace everywhere. Maybe if we could just see Christ more clearly in each person, there'd be more love in the world. But then I got to thinking, well, wait a second. The Christ named Jesus came into the world and people could see him and see God in and through him. And what'd they do to him? They killed him. But then again, that brings us back to look at Christ. Because what Jesus did is he went to the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, when he was the victim, the innocent victim of violence, when he was unjustly murdered and his blood was spilled, the Christ, our God, then stood in solidarity with every human who's ever suffered. When Christ's blood was spilled, he stood in solidarity with every human who's ever been unjustly killed. Any human who's ever been abused. Any human who's ever been attacked. Our God stands in solidarity with us. God grieves. God bleeds. God weeps. And God holds us. 
Three days after Jesus died, God raised him from the dead to show us emphatically that life and love win. Life and love win. There's nothing, as our text says today, there's nothing that can snatch us out of the Father's hand. Nothing. Do you think about that every day, that you dwell in God? That your whole life exists within God. It's not that God is this being over there, right? It's that God is the very essence of being. God is the very essence of aliveness. And as we are alive and as we have being, we dwell in God and there's nothing that can ever take us away. Ever. Ever. No amount of violence. No amount of fear. No amount of war. Nothing. So what do we do? We love. It's what we do. We love. I talked to the children about beauty this morning because I'm, I'm reading a book by Richard Rohr's latest book. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan um, uh, uh, down in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the founder of the Center for Action and Contemplation. And he has a new book out called The Universal Christ. And, and what Rohr says is he says that God created things beautiful to draw us to, to one another. Because beauty attracts us. Beauty draws us in. And beauty causes us to love. But some people may not be able to love other people. Because maybe they've been wounded. Maybe they've been hurt. And they have a hard time loving. But can you love a rose? Can you, can you look at the beauty of a rose and fall in love with a rose or a butterfly? Or maybe, maybe after you've fallen in love with, with the mountains or the plants, then maybe you can, you can fall in love with an animal. You know, anybody have pets that you just love your pets? You know, mine's a chihuahua. Don't judge me. But I love how she, she just stares at me adoringly. You know, she just, I just, it's, it's, I love that little dog. Love that little dog, right? So for some people who can't love animal, can't love people, maybe they can love animals. And by loving animals, that can teach them how to love people who are a lot messier, who, who do things we don't like, who hurt us in unexpected ways, who, um, who at times are hard to love. But that's who we're called to love. It's people, human beings. <coughs> And it starts by seeing God in them, seeing Christ in them, recognizing that they dwell in God and because they dwell in God and because we dwell in God, that we're actually a part of each other. We see everybody as brothers and sisters. I think if we work hard at this, we can change the world. The reason I'm saying that is because I think Jesus believed this. That if we can get love into the world, we can change the world. Something else I thought about this week is um, in 1987, when Abiding Hope was founded, coal mine didn't go past right here. It ended at Sims. There was no Dakota Ridge High School. There were no houses right here. The street came down. The old coal mine was down. You know, the entrance to the coal mine was down at the corner of coal mine in Kipling, and this was a barren space, and, and they decided to, to birth Abiding Hope Church right here. And I'm wondering if, if God's reason for doing that is God could foresee the violence that would face this community. 
the turmoil this community would be in, the pain that this community would be in. And God said, you know what? We need to put a church right here. We need to put abiding hope right here. And what's our name? Abiding hope. Does the world need hope right now? Does this community need hope right now? And perhaps God foresaw what, was, what would uh, come in, in just 12 years later, 1987 to 1999, when we had the Columbine shooting. And since then, we've had Arapahoe High School and we've had um, um, what, Bailey, the one in Bailey, that's right. We've had Deer Creek Middle School. Uh, we've, we've had Aurora, I mean, but maybe God said, you know, I know that, that this is coming, but I'm going to put abiding hope here. And the people of abiding hope are going to love and they're going to serve and they're going to be living hope for their neighbors, for their family members, for their co-workers, for their friends. This whole week, and even right now, I've just felt like going into a cave. I just want to go into a cave. I just want to be alone. You know, I just want to be left alone. When we see each other all day, you know, you greet people, you say, hi, and what's the next thing you say? How are you? I hate that question right now. Because my reaction is always just to go, I'm good. But I'm not good. I want to just be left alone. I just want to go into a cave and, and just hide, and in, both emotionally and physically. But the reality is, now's the time that we need to be out. Now's the time that we need to be present with one another. Even if it's we, we cry together. Even if it's we just hold hands. Even if it's just we put an arm around each other like we did this morning at the greeting and say, you're not alone. God needs us right now. And we need each other right now. We know the drill. We know what's going to happen. A week's going to go by and life will go back to normal. Once the, the funeral's over, everybody's out of the hospital and life goes back to normal and we act like nothing ever happened. But the reality is we all live in fear because we can't control this. We don't understand this. But we're not going to be powerless we're going to be people of love. We're going to be people of abiding hope. We're going to be people who stand together, who remind each other that the tomb is empty, who remind each other that love and life win. And we're going to create community, goodness, and peace right here. And our hope is that it's going to spread, that we'll start the movement of love in this community and beyond so that hopefully one day one day no child has to be afraid no second grader has to walk out of a school with their hands on their head no child has to ask their teacher why they're being locked in a closet no parent has to wonder when they drop their kid off at school if this will be the last time they see them one day, that's what we believe will come through love. Cling to your trust in this God of love and live. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.